It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, um, I was telling you uh, before we started recording that uh, I had a friend's wedding in St. Louis this weekend. I did my undergrad in St. Louis, so uh, I went down to St. Louis this weekend and, you know, got to... I would catch some of the the tweets about you know Bucks coaches and who's qualified and who should get interviewed and I would do some of that in the morning you know while while I was eating breakfast on like Saturday and Sunday but other than that pretty much like not by my phone and it I gotta say it was kind of a uh, kind of nice it was kind of nice to be away from it for a little while. Uh, it was my first kind of bucksless weekend uh, since this has all happened. So I just had a generally fun time, and now I'm trying to like catch up. And I think this will serve as a useful exercise for me and hopefully everyone else that if you missed anything over the weekend, hopefully we can kind of get you caught up to speed. Yeah, and we all deserve a bucksless weekend from time to time. Um, <laughs> and we're going to have plenty of them. But uh, but yeah, obviously the coaching search is uh is heating up and plenty of kind of new data points uh beginning friday with with Woj sort of i say as expected adding some assistance to the list of former head coaches that we received um i don't know was it thursday maybe um so interesting the the bucks are just going to basically charter a flight from san antonio uh, i guess uh (laughs) just have the entire Spurs organization interview, which I guess if you're going to pick one franchise to, uh, to interview a bunch of people from, um, Spurs are a pretty good place to start. Um, and, and so, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting to see some, some names added. I'm guessing that will not be the extent, the full extent of the list of coaches, but, um, you know, seeing Becky Hammond, probably the, the biggest headliner just because, um, the first woman to interview for, 
an NBA head coaching position, which is is pretty cool. And and obviously, um, you know, I again, I don't know if any of these, aside from Budenholzer, like I don't know if anybody I could I would look at and say like, oh, they have like a great shot at becoming the next head coach. I mean, there's what ten names or something on that order. So it's not like any of these people are are likely to become the next head coach of the Bucks. Um, but certainly a, a cool thing to see for for Becky Hammond kind of taking another step forward in her career and um, you know having a shot at, at a head coaching job and um, her her uh, fellow assistants Tori Messina and and James Borrego also being added to the list and apparently Messina via Woj uh, interviewing over the weekend so yeah it's it started and I guess uh, you know John Horst did an interview with uh, Matt Velasquez uh, over at the Journal Sentinel which doesn't really say much of anything <laughs> um sort of uh john horse mastering the art of sort of ticking all the boxes of what you're supposed to say without yeah. actually saying anything um so the bucks are going to do all the things that you want them to do and they're not going to rush but they're going to you know do whatever you know blah 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 um yeah that that stuff is going to happen and uh as we were discussing as well we had heard talk of John Horst doing media availability uh, last week or at some point here at postseason, um, and I don't know. Our, is your sense also that we may have, that we may have gotten it in the form of that uh, of that interview with Matt? Uh, I think there's certainly a chance, um, and I mean John Horst will end up speaking when they have a, a new a new coach um so that'll be a little while from now but yeah that that might be the case uh just because uh and, and again like it's kind of uh how things can work at times like coaches and general managers don't like doing media availability um they, they would prefer almost anything else to do in that um so i wouldn't necessarily be surprised if that was uh john's exit inter- interview for the for the for the season which is a little bit disappointing um because obviously i didn't get to participate selfishly um but we'll see I, i'm i'm curious to see if there'll be anything else this week or like i said maybe they just wait until they do hire a new coach and then uh that combined press conference with the new coach and the general manager will be uh, what we get. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, I, I think some of the stuff that's interesting with, uh, I guess let's start with Becky Hammond. Uh, Woj used the phrase, uh, Hammond isn't considered a frontline candidate on a Bucks list that includes at least 10 possible candidates, but Milwaukee ownership and general, general manager John Horst were intrigued enough to ask the Spurs for permission to speak with her. And I think the one thing that's interesting with Hammond is this is the the, the second time the Bucks have interviewed her for something that maybe she isn't qualified for or quite ready for and i think it's interesting to see that this organization has kind of prioritized her um which is uh, i mean i think good right like that's it's nice to see that they are willing to you know think outside of the box and not be afraid to break down some barriers and go out there and do that so i think that that's it's good to hear um i'm curious what your thoughts are i know that's this has been the hot uh hot takey topic of uh of the weekend a little bit like is becky hammond ready like all this stuff and it's just to me, I guess where my head's at is I can understand why uh, people might say like playing in the WNBA is different than playing in the NBA because they are two very different leagues, and I understand that. But you know, there's been plenty of players that have just 
came in and, and been hired very quickly after their NBA career. Jason Kidd, for one. And to say that that person is more qualified and ready than Becky Hammond, who is playing professional in the highest league possible for her sex and gender, like, I... I think it she'd I think she'd be fine. Like I the the big thing to me is like has has she understood enough like being assistant, like good she's not she's not the lead assistant in San Antonio. She's one of many there. Um so I, I don't know. I, I'm where's your head at on where Becky Hammond would be and um I think she's in line to probably become the first female uh head coach in the NBA, but I don't know if it's this summer. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I mean, odds are you're probably not going to ace your first interview. That's probably not going to be the time when you get the nod. And I think also, I mean, I think the Bucks as an organization, I mean, you know, we know leadership, ownership is, is a progressive group. Yep. Um, and, you know, like if it were going to happen, I think this ownership group would be open to it. I think there's no coincidence that they're they're interviewing her and they interviewed her last summer. And I think, again, last summer, you know, I think we even talked about it. Like, I mean, there was no reason to hire her for a front office job given she was a player who never had any front office experience yeah. as an assistant, you know, being an assistant. Um, so to me, last summer was really more of a kind of kick the tires, kind of reach out, establish some sort of rapport in advance of, of this moment when you're trying to find a head coach, which obviously she's much more qualified for, um, given her background and the fact that she's, you know, she's been an assistant under arguably the best coach in, in NBA history. So, um, I, you know, I said, I, I thought it was, you know, I think it's a cool thing to have happen. And also, I mean, I think she's deserved a chance at this. Yep. Um, and you know, the thing is you're right though. I mean, she's only ha- she only has four years of assistant coaching experience. Then again, I'd much rather take, you know, assist an assistant with her kind of pedigree and you know, there was a an interesting article on her in the New Yorker, um, which, you know, if you want to learn more about her, I think is very illuminating and they kinda of like what the type of person she is, how she got this job with Pop. Um and there's a lot in there on that. Um but again, I'd much rather take someone who's been an assistant for a few years under Pop and who was identified by Greg Popovich as somebody that he wanted on his staff than, you know, somebody who's been an assistant for twenty years wherever you know because i think the big things that we've talked about obviously and and i think why we're also very open to assistant coaches rather than just people who have previously been head coaches is you know we want people who are communicators have the ability to to lead a locker room um and and are fresh thinkers and and not necessarily just sort of old school right and that kind of thing doesn't necessarily need to have you don't necessarily need to be an assistant for 10 years or 20 years to do to have that sort of ability that i think that stuff is much more either you have it or you don't and certainly when you read some of the comments from popovich on the spurs organization that's certainly an area where it seems like hammond has commanded a lot of respect but again i mean it's a whole new ball game going from being 
an assistant, as you said, not even a lead assistant to to leading a locker room. And so yeah. uh, she'd be, I mean, any of these assistants would face a huge challenge in trying to prove that they can be, you know, great NBA head coaches. And so, you know, I think the odds are stacked against her as well as anyone else who comes in with that level of experience. But again, she could be that type of talent as a coach that, you know, again, maybe has that. And, and again, so I think it, for me, she, she is worth a look just because, um, you know, the pedigree, as you said, as a player, I mean, she's a great player. Obviously, the you know, WNBA playing women's professional isn't the same as the NBA, um, but I think a lot of the tactics um, do, you know, are relevant. Mm-hmm. And now that she's been there for four years um, at the highest level in the model organization, um, I think that matters a lot. You know, I mean, again, like, yes, she won a summer league championship a few years ago. I don't really put huge stakes on that. But again, like any little data point is important. And I think, you know, the things you'd want to understand from her if you're interviewing her is, you know, things like, well, how would you run an offense? You know, what would you do with the Bucks? All the same things you'd ask anybody else. And so, again, it's kind of hard with assistance because, you know, all we kind of see with the Spurs is, you know, a, a, an outcome of, of Greg Popovich and the roster they have. And, you know, we don't necessarily know if that's exactly what, what Becky Hammond or James Borrego or Torrey Messina would do or the style that they would play. Because let's be honest, I mean, the Spurs – have not played a very progressive offense the last couple of years. They've kind of gone back to the future a little bit or just yep. really back to the past, um, shooting a lot more mid-rangers, not taking tons of threes. Um, but still, you see a lot of the kind of same Spurs DNA in terms of unselfishness and, um, you know, sort of the, the team-style play they have, which obviously there's a lot of positives in there. So um, so anyway, kind of long story short, I think she's worth a look, you know. But yeah. uh, again, like... You know, do any of us know enough about Becky Hammond to say that she, she'll be a successful head coach in the NBA? No. Um, I, I don't know that James Borrego or Torrey Messina will, will be successful head coaches you know, for their own reasons. Um, and again, a lot of that's just because we haven't seen them in that job. And, and even guys that we have seen, you know, as we said last week, there's still a, a kind of a coin flip element to whether these guys work out. So um, so anyway, I think it's it's going to be you know, interesting process. And, but again, I think it's a good sign. I mean, I, I think if you're the Bucks, you want to cast a wide net. And, you know, I would be disappointed if they went and just interviewed, you know, two people or, if, you know, or if they did what the Memphis Grizzlies did, which is just, you know, hire full time J.B. Bickerstaff, who I don't know what he showed them this year overseeing a tank job to convince yeah. them to continue on. Um, that's sort of the anti process that I would want to see. Um, so I think, you know, the positive is uh, is that the Bucks are looking at a lot of different am- options. And again, I think there's still other names that, you know, the Nick Nurses, Chris Finches that we've also kind of talked about in the past um hopefully we'll see those those names as well um but again it's uh, just any assistant that isn't a spurs assistant i would i would enjoy that name coming out like yeah just because and again i understand wanting to get someone spurs affiliated like that makes a lot of sense this is they're one of the most consistent franchises of the last they are the most consistent franchise of the last 20 years uh in the nba so like i understand that but at the same time, plenty of Spurs coaches have failed. Like yeah. that's a that's a thing that's occurred. Like going from on uh on Greg Popovich's bench to somewhere else and not having it work out. Like that that is a thing that happens. So um I always get a little bit concerned and I guess I'm just a little bit leery of being like, Oh, it's it's a Spurs coach, they're gonna be great. Well, you know, they don't get to bring Tim Duncan along with them. They they don't they don't actually get to bring Greg Popovich on the bench with them like they have to be their own person so I think that that 
to me is kind of uh, something that I'm going to be very curious about. And then I guess the other thing too is I'm curious now how long this entire process takes because if you bring in that many candidates, and again, there's no reason to think that there's not 10 or more candidates. If you bring in that many people, like that's got to take a couple weeks, right? Like to get all those people in and to get them interviewed that's probably at least a two-week process. I'm trying to think how long the Knicks took. Like, And everyone was like, oh, wow, the Knicks brought in, I think they ended up bringing in like 14 candidates by the end of it. Like, It takes a, a, a while. And something we were talking about before we started recording was there are other teams that don't have coaches at the moment. And those three teams at the moment, that's Atlanta, Orlando, and... Uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, Atlanta, Orlando, and Charlotte. Those three teams, I, the Bucks supersede all of them. Like, it doesn't appear that those three teams are in a huge hurry. Um, they don't also appear to be interviewing the same people that the Bucks are interviewing. Um, so, it, to me, it does feel like you know the Bucks are the most attractive job on the market. And obviously I think there might've been some debate, like is the Knicks job better than the Bucks job, but that doesn't matter now because the Knicks got their guy and that's that. So with that, how long does this take? Like, because there's those three teams, but one thing we were talking about, the Raptors are down three to nothing. The Raptors could get swept tomorrow. I guess by the time this is playing tonight, they could get swept tonight and from there, you have to figure out, does Dwayne Casey get fired? Uh, because he might, because they've gone through this year where, obviously, Nick Nurse, a guy that we talk talk about uh, regularly, like was, helped reform the offense, and he was kind of emboldened because Masai Ujiri was like, okay, we have to do something with the offense, Dwayne, so they kind of let Nick Nurse go to work on it, and... I would think if you try to make all these changes and then, you know, have some of the same struggles in the postseason, maybe that means you got to go as the coach. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, um, but I think that's often how it works out. So uh, I'd be curious if then the Raptors jump into all of this and does that speed up the Bucks process? Does that slow it down? Like, how does that all work? I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious um, to see, kind of what happens in Toronto. Because I think working for Mazzai Ujiri, that's one of the better coaching jobs in the league, right? Like He's someone that could not be more well-respected league-wide. And there's nothing to think there'd be any funny business going on. Uh, obviously, the Raptors might be a little bit capped out, but you do have some solid players there. So I, I don't know. I think that would be an interesting thing to kind of think about as we go through all of this. Yeah, and just as kind of data points, so Larry Drew was hired, I believe, May 31st, 2013. Um, so it took the Bucks basically all of May to make that move. Uh, and back, uh, Scott Skiles, however, was hired, I believe, April 22nd. So basically, he was hired you know, essentially a week after the season ended in, I guess it was 08. Um, so things can happen quickly. Things can happen slowly. Um, Brad Stevens hired start of July for the record. Uh, and Sam Hinkie, uh, somewhat famously, I mean, I think it was mid August before Brett Brown was hired when Sam Hinkie kind of first came into power and hired him as his first coach. So, um, 
these things don't always happen really quickly, but I think for the Bucks, obviously, especially given the rumors around potentially targeting, you know, a guy like Mike Budenholzer, um, that could be kind of a triggering mechanism for trying to make a decision sooner. And as you said, <clears throat> if you know it's just them competing with Orlando and Atlanta and Charlotte, I don't see necessarily the same, I guess, urgency to to try to make a decision. And you know, John Horst you know, made sure to say in his interview with Matt Velasquez that they're not going to rush anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, again, like if you think that you may be competing with the Raptors and that maybe makes you a bit more urgent to, to make a decision. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting spot. And as you said, um, not necessarily competing uh, except for maybe some of these, these assistants, uh, for these other jobs. We, we should note James Borrego and uh, Jay Laranaga uh, from Boston are two of the, I think they're now the finalists for the Charlotte job. Second replaced Steve yeah. Clifford. Yeah, so um, Borrego could certainly get, an, you know, again, I mean, if he gets the Charlotte offer, uh, you know, it's certainly possible that, that he might drop out, especially if um, the Bucks don't have him, you know, near the top of their list. And again, he's one of many, many guys on that list. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see. I think the most interesting scenario would be, you know, if if Budenholzer, for instance, I mean, again, he's he's going to get fourteen million dollars the next two years. He could just say, eh, you know what, Bucks, not really feeling it. You know, um, kind of a weird situation there with the whole GM ownership situation. Maybe I'll just sit out the year and I'll click my my seven million bucks and not do anything this year. Which a lot of coaches who had higher profiles took years off in between um, taking their next job. I think Scott Brooks did it. Tim, Tom Thibodeau did it. Um, so not out of the question that that he could take a year off as well, um, in which case, again, like, I don't know, maybe the Bucks kind of take their time with this. Maybe they do kind of extend it a little bit. Again, I, I certainly don't think you'll see this stretch until, like, July or something like that. No, but, no. Um, you know, especially if uh, the Bucks sort of go, you know, full GM hire process and start <laughs> – not being able to agree on things or something yeah. like that, yeah. um, then you never know. But again, I'm sure there is uh, a a profound emphasis inside the Milwaukee Bucks right now to try to make sure everybody's on the same page and that the ground rules are in place. So when the finalists get reduced to one, that Wes Edens is actually not going to you know veto that person or mm -hmm. you know or whatever. And and again tough to say exactly how they're balancing it you know it seems like john horse is leading the process but um certainly there there is a you know degree to which ownership obviously has to sign off right i mean this is the a massive decision for this franchise so you know to act think that john horse is going to make this in a vacuum this decision obviously that would be kind of silly um but uh again obviously ownership's history of making these sorts of decisions whether it was the jason kidd hiring or or horse own hiring as gm um those two data points not too not too encouraging so far um so i guess we'll see you know you just hope that um they get it much more right this time than they have in the past the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Yeah, and again, I'm like I said, I think this remains very interesting. And we talked about uh, on Friday whether or not you should uh, put a ton of stock into what Brian Windhorst had said. You put a, a little bit less than maybe it would appear on the surface. Like I think all of that remains certainly at the top of my mind because uh, I think we're going to find out a lot, right? Like if this takes a while if you you start to hear whispers of oh this the process is going wrong and like that those are all things that could happen and that was kind of how it happened last year right like we didn't know at the start of it that this was going to be a long drawn out process and then all of a sudden it got to uh, Justin Zanuck being the only person left the only candidate that they had interviewed left and then nothing happened and uh it just kind of dragged out and got more and more curious and uh just more of a mess and I, I again that could happen here or also maybe the bucks could just get it done quickly and figure out exactly who they want so i don't know like it's going to have to take some time though like if, if you are going to interview all these people um it is going to take some time so uh i, I guess we'll keep an eye on all that i, I think the thing I'm waiting for, and obviously you heard uh, the podcast we recorded last week with Eric Benning. So again, if you missed that, three parts on kind of previewing guys. And the guys that we ended up previewing were assistant coaches. Uh, a lot of those guys, or I shouldn't say all of them, but uh, certainly a number of them were assistants. And we had put them high on the list because that's what makes the packing order in Milwaukee make sense. That's what make their organizational chart all make sense and i guess i'm just curious if we'll see some more of those those outside folks interviewed because uh we're getting closer and closer to the number 10 uh with all of the spurs assistants now getting uh interviews but i don't know does now david fisdale not count because he took a job but does someone else take his place on that list like i i don't know so I, i'll be I'll be very uh, curious and watchful of all the people that do end up coming in uh, because I think it it gets really interesting. And obviously with the two guys that we had put on the top of our list, um, those, those guys are still in the playoffs. Like the Pelicans are still in the playoffs. So Chris Finch is still uh, coaching there. Uh, And obviously the Raptors and Nick Nurse are still in the playoffs. So we haven't heard much from either of those guys. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I think Woj might have said Nick Nurse had gotten permission for, man, I'm trying to think what job it was uh, to interview for. But uh, I don't think either of those guys have been out to interview for stuff because their teams are still in those positions. Yeah, I believe, I know Messina, I think Messina interviewed while the Spurs are still in the playoffs. Um, and I, I believe Nurse has interviewed somewhere. So again, more complicated obviously to schedule something when a guy is still actively coaching um but but certainly still possible um also in the raptors organization jerry stackhouse being the g league coach there and and has gotten a lot of positive press there um but we haven't heard his name mentioned either um a couple other points on this so um one other final thought on becky hammond uh again she is still relatively young in her assistant coaching career. And, and some, I forget who it was somebody, somebody asked me, I was like, well, what makes you say that she, cause I think I said she deserves a chance or she, you know, she deserves her shot, you know, to get this interview. And someone's like, well, you know, and again, this there, I think if you look at sort of the, you know, the, uh, cesspool of Twitter, you're going to find lots of very, um, backwards 
looking or, or sort of backward views of Becky Hammond just because she's a woman and people saying, you know, blah, 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 not deserving and bad jokes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, someone raised a fair question. It's like, well, I mean, she's only been assistant for four years. Um, it, that's not very much, you know, what, so is she really deserving? And that's a fair question. Again, my, my view is because those few four years are in San Antonio and she seems to have made a real impression on Greg Popovich. And I think the other piece of this too is if you go back in history and look at the people who have become the first to do something, it's generally not because they were undeservedly pushed to the front of a line. Um, you know, and again, I'm not going to compare Becky Emmon to like Jackie Robinson. I think we're in a better time now for, um, you know, for instance, a woman getting a job as a, as an NBA head coach, than you know, Jackie Robinson becoming the first black major leaguer and things like that. But, you know, you look back at the people who had to fight through things to become the first of a, you know, of their gender, first of their race, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they generally had to go through a lot more than, you know, a lot of other people to get there. And there usually was something very special about them that got them into that position. You know, it's not like Becky Hammond is just some average WNBA player with some average <laughs> coaching abilities who just was a charity case of Greg Popovich. You know, I mean, she had to have something special to get to where she is as a player, to get where she is as an assistant, and to, you know, be the first woman to be in this position. So I, just something to keep in mind. You know, again, like, that doesn't mean that she's guaranteed to be a success in Milwaukee or someplace else because it's hard, and it's going to be hard for her just like it'd be hard for anyone. And she's obviously would be under a microscope that no – male coach would be under right and and that probably would make things more difficult just because of that microscope but um just something to think about you know again if if anyone is tempted to think that somehow this is just a gimmick or she might get hired because of you know uh, somebody wanting a a female head coach believe me every every I, i imagine even the most progressive ownership group gm whatever part of them is going to be scared to death to be under the scrutiny of, you know, not just normal and um, I think fair sort of viewers of the game of basketball, but mm-hmm. knowing that they're, they're going to be skeptics and, you know, people who are sexist and people are going to criticize you unfairly from the get go. And so it's going to take a lot of guts, unfortunately to hire Becky Hammond. And so I think when it gets to the point of her getting hired, it's gonna. I, I really do believe it's going to be for the right reasons, and that's because she'll have shown enough to to have earned not just the right to interview, but you know the right to, to have a shot at the job. So again, I, I think I, I feel like there's like a, this undercurrent of like, oh, it's like this novelty thing, and I I think we just need to be really honest. Like nobody is going to go out on a limb and take you know and try to be the first to hire a female coach. And again, we may you know you would hope that at some point we get beyond this that. You don't have to be courageous to hire a woman to be an assistant or a head coach or whatever. Um, but right now, I think that's the reality. You know, it's it's going to be hard for somebody to actually have the guts to do that. And I think it's going to be really cool when it happens. And you know, you hope that that person has success doing it, and whether it's Becky Hammond or someone else. So anyway, um, I'll pause there for a second. I, I wanted to mention that just because, again, I think there has been sort of that undertone of like, oh, it's just for show or whatever. But um, I feel like that does really does a disservice to anybody who's had to be the first of anything because those people don't have it easy. And then Becky Hammond hasn't had it, had it as easy and she won't have it easy to get a head coaching job either. Yeah. Literally the exact opposite. Like 
it couldn't yeah. be harder to be in those roles. Like you, you're not going to, yeah, it, it'd be difficult to get more scrutiny for your work than being one of those first people, like you mentioned. So, um, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, I think largely this podcast will end up being, uh, for the next week or so, just updates on interviews and, and more thoughts on coaches. Uh, maybe we'll see tomorrow who, who comes in uh, and if no one comes in we can kind of break down what we may or may not like about uh, some of these other people on the list and uh, we can do all of that tomorrow so uh, unless you have anything else Frank I think that's gonna be it for us for tonight uh, we are back we're gonna we didn't talk about scheduling and kind of how all this will work but um, we'll still be largely we're going to be daily still or week daily, I guess would be the right way to say it. Um, we'll be week daily for the, I mean, the next little while for sure. And during the summer at times we do cut down to like maybe like three, uh, episodes a week or something like that. But for now, as the bucks are going through all this, there's no way that we are, are cutting back. So, uh, we'll still be daily. Um, and we'll still be here breaking this all down for you. So just wanted to make that short announcement before we wrapped up, uh, for the night for Frank men. I'm Eric name. This has been lockdown bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.